Welcome back to another episode of the, actually, hang on, hang on just a second, guys, gals, everybody. So look, we've been doing this for like 150 plus episodes now. Um, and, and we know because we hear from a lot of you that a lot of you have listened to like all 150 of them. And you've talked to us about a lot of these. Well, I know you get constant emails, tweet, LinkedIn messaging, socials, wherever people can find us. They're talking to us about these episodes, which is great. I love hearing from all of you, and I don't want you to stop doing that. But what we would like to see is to take this discussion a little bit more public. We want other people to know how amazing we are, right? You've told us. This isn't me saying I'm amazing. <laughs> I mean, I know, and you know, because you've told me, right? So I feel amazing, and that's great. But we want to take this conversation a bit more public. I find it hard to believe that you don't know somebody else that's going to benefit from this, right? That you don't have another friend founder pal, somebody that will benefit from hearing what we're saying. And yet the socials, they're real quiet, right? Outside of you guys talking to us directly, we're not seeing enough chatter around this, right? So if you would be so kind as to help us out, we would love to see you. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to roll my, roll my dice here. Hang on. LinkedIn. We're going to take it to LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn's so I rolled the dice. It came up LinkedIn. Hit us on LinkedIn, pick your favorite episode, pick a snippet, pick whatever. Let's talk about startup therapy on LinkedIn. At myself, at Will, directly on our, on our, on our profiles, however you want to do it. But let's get it out there. Let's talk about this stuff. More people need to hear this narrative. And so we need your help to spread that, right? No, no mystery here. This is how the socials work. You all know it. We're now coming to you and saying, please. Okay, so this is me saying, please, please come help us. With that it only said, took us we'll see you on LinkedIn. Episodes only 150. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, we're like we should probably deliver more value before we ask for anything in return. I think we may have overshot the mark. Will 150 hours later. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. All right. So without further ado, welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, let's talk about something that is absolutely pervasive in founder life, which is urgency. This sense of time compression, shortened deadlines, everything has to happen now. And that, you know, if it doesn't, disaster will ensue. How real is that? You know, it's as real as we perceive it. And I think <laughs> yeah. this, this concept that the world is constantly closing around me that I have to get this done by a certain imaginary age marker in my life, or that if we don't get this done now, our competitors are going to crush us right away. Just all of these anxious, self-directed, really false narratives that we create. And I think it's worth talking about today, how consistently wrong they are. And this isn't saying that this is an argument against urgency. You know, we love urgency. We love getting shit done. That's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the false narrative that founders like us, we've all been through it and we'll talk about our own experiences, create that puts so much stress and so much anxiety on us. And they're just not true. <laughs> they're just straight up not true. And I think if we talk about how we create them in our personal lives, how we create them in our business, how we create them when we think about our own financial freedom and everything else like that, the actual outcomes don't match up whatsoever to this monster in the corner that we've created. And so, you know, let's dig into that. All right. So before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on 
all day long online at groups.startups.com, where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, man, this is such an important one. This drives so much stress, anxiety for founders that we we really do have to unwind this. And, and so much of it's baked into the, the, the sort of popular narrative, right? I, I feel like it's it's almost the the skeletal bones of of the startup narrative, which is like fail fast, scale fast, you know, speed to market, all of these things that we use. And and look, nothing wrong with any of those things taken in context and taken with with some measure of responsibility. But like when it's always just go, go, go all the time, urgency, urgency, urgency. And to your point, it's just not really like, especially when we're, when we're looking at the, the pressure from the outside, right? So we've got our own desire to move forward. And then we have these other things like competitive pressure, my own age, my need for, you know, money or funding or whatever. Those, those artificial things that we put in front of ourselves that create all this additional pressure just aren't really as real as we'd like to think they are. And I will argue that they're often counterproductive to actually making those things happen. So this is why we really need to spend some time today unwinding all the stuff. So that said, where do you want to start, man? I mean, let's start with the overarching narrative, which is all of the, the reason this is a problem is because it buys us nothing. All this anxiety and, and you know, all these, these false narratives buy us nothing and cost us everything, right? So that, that I've never in my life, and we'll talk about, you know, personal experiences, I've never had a bigger waste of energy than creating false narratives around time. Here's where it started for me. In my 20s, I was so convinced. I started my first business when I was 19. I was so convinced that if I didn't make it, whatever that would, you know, my version of it was at the time, by the time I was 30, my career was over. And and it wasn't, I wasn't being hyperbolic. I actually believed that. I actually believed that every year that would go by would be the end of it. And when I talk to founders now that are in their 20s, they almost always believe this. And I always kind of reset the meter a little bit. And what I say to Ryan is, do you realize that you've only been a career adult for like three years? And they're like, well, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, tw- I'm 25. You know, I've, this is a quarter yeah. of my life. I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. This, there's only three years where you actually do this. Yeah, right? you've, you've been allowed to make your own decisions for seven years at that point, right? Yeah, like, in, in, in like as far as being a person building your career, you're like, you know, three years in, if this were a football field, you're like on the, your own two yard line at this right. point, right? Like don't oversell where you're at. And by way of that, you have 50 to 70 years to figure this out. And they're like, it's a fair what? Chunk of time. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine if somebody told me that at, like in my twenties, like, again, I would, wouldn't have listened because I'm an idiot, but it would just blow my mind though. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And, and so I think this idea that I'm getting too old, that I have to get it done by this age, and we always use like a, a 20s, 30s, 40s kind of you know metaphor, is bullshit. It's, it's just it is. It's such a crock. It is. You know, it's funny. For me, man, like I, I had those feelings more when I was younger, which is ironic, right? Because that's when you have all that time, right? So that feeling of getting older, of needing to move further forward, and again, like it comes from so many places. A big part of it was the comparison around, I chose the entrepreneurial path out of, out of university. So did you, well, while, while we were both in university. And then 
I had friends that, you know, they, they took the job at PNG and got the haircut and the, the, the black tie and all that stuff, right? They drank the Kool-Aid. And then I was looking at them. They were like, hey, look at my Lexus. Hey, just bought another house. Just, hey, whatever. And like, I wasn't doing that at that point. I was working my ass off and hoping to be able to pay everybody else and not even thinking about paying myself, right? Like, right, right. So like there were definitely things like, okay, man, I'm, I'm so far behind. I'm so this, right? And again, all of this bullshit comparison, which helped to drive this feeling that somehow time was getting away from me, that time was the issue. Time had nothing to do with it, right? And luckily, as I've gotten older, I've developed a better relationship with time and kind of an understanding of that. And kind of to your point, man, I'm not sure if anybody had told me at an earlier stage that I would have believed or listened or been able to absorb or comprehend. But I wish somebody had at least tried. So this is us <laughs> trying. You hear us? You hear us 20-somethings? You've right. got all the time in the world. Slow your roll, homies. There's plenty of time to get this done. Well, right. And the other thing we don't understand in the earlier parts of our careers, not just our 20s, but our 30s and then some, we are at our least capable <laughs> at those ages, right? Just for all the obvious reasons. That I definitely wouldn't have believed. I was very full of myself in my 20s. <laughs> sure, we have energy. No, no question, yeah. right? But our networks are as small as they're ever going to be, right? Our knowledge is as, as small as it's ever going to be, right? Um, it's unrefined, um, immature. Our understanding of how to solve problems and everything else is as shitty as it's ever going to be, right? In other words, going forward, it'll always be better. We have as little resources we will ever have in life, right? That's that exactly point. it. And yep. so when I was 28, I thought that I had just pretty much figured everything out, right? Like I'd, I'd become CEO of a company and you would know, grown and whatever. And so I must have just figured everything out. So everything from here must be a- Nailed the formula. Got it. Yeah, it must be a flat line from here. <laughs> right. Which is such an immature line of thinking because I was immature. But when I look back, that's almost 20 years ago. I have like so much more experience, so much, so much more connectivity and all these things that I had back then that for me to project that age, that 28-year-old age for the rest of my life, and when I say it now, it just seems ridiculous. It seems silly, but I believed it at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, right? And you know, I, to, to harken back to that period in time, it did feel that way. Cause it, it, and I think you said something earlier today, a couple of days ago, I don't remember around the fact that like, at that point you haven't crossed any meaningful milestones necessarily in terms of your career. And so I think that really, really feeds into this, right? So you have all of this urgency around getting something done. The, the problem there, and we talk about this a lot too, is that that bar keeps moving, right? So it's like, let's get the product into market, right? Let's get our first customer. Like, and you just keep moving the bar and none of those milestones carry any weight anymore. And you just develop urgency around the next one because you're trying to get to the end of the game, which is just a hell of a lot further out. There's no way you're going to compress that into the time frame you want. It's going to take longer than you wanted it to. End of story. So I think that's a big part of the problem is that you've never gotten like through an entire game, right? And so you don't know how to control that expenditure of energy, how to, how to, to, to ward off this false time pressure. Oh, that's not a great analogy, Ryan, because uh, sports games do have timers. Um, <laughs> so it's not that, gang. It's not that. Your career is an entire open-ended season. If we were carrying that, that metaphor, it would be like saying, if we don't win this game in the first four minutes of the game, we've lost. Yes, exactly. Right? It's like, I'm pretty sure like, you have an entire four quarters to play in this game. And so I think from, a, from early in our career standpoint, there's a few things that just haven't happened. We just haven't, like you said, crossed an age milestone. 
Here's the funny thing that happened. When I was in my 20s, I spent every waking moment in terror of turning 30. I was absolutely sure that once I turned 30, they just take me out back, put a bullet in my head and bury me. Right? Like that's, that's the end of it. You know, like he, he had his moment, you know, he's good. It was the end of an era for me. That's how it felt. Again, it, it really like feeling my 20s ending and, and having that close and, and getting to 30 felt like just awful. I mean, it started at 25 for me, which like is so laughable now. The idea of like how, you know, what I was and, and more so what I wasn't at 25 compared to what I, I thought. I, yeah, it was like, I, I remember thinking like quarter century, like I, one more of these, you know, if, if I, when I double, I'll be 50, which is, you know, ancient at that point in my mind, right? right now I'm, I'm right. staring at it and I'm not, I'm no longer scared <laughs> of it, right? Now that it's, now that it's gotten closer, it's not so scary. But yeah, it was just such a weird feeling. And then I remember hitting 30 and it basically felt like my odometer reset. Right. Like somebody pushed the, the, the trip button and I was like, oh, back at zero. Nothing happened. Nothing happened negative. But like for me, it was actually a really positive thing. All of a sudden it was like I, I had been given a new uh, go back to our analogy or metaphor there. I, I got a uh, I got a new set of downs. Right. I was given a brand new timer that started at zero. And that felt amazing. And that's sort of been the experience from my 30s and then in, again into 40s with the exception of I didn't go through all of the weird time-related age depression that I went through at the end of my 20s. As I reached the end of my 30s, I just kind of got excited about like, hey, we're going to pop into a new decade here. We're going to get the 40s. This is going to be brand new again. And that's sort of the way it's been. We'll see what happens at 50. Haven't decided yet. I'll, I'll, I'll be there before you are. So I'll tell you how it goes. But here's where it gets interesting. Before we've had that moment, that odometer reset, we assume that all of these, these demons will become real that all these things, like all these awful things will happen. And then it happens and we realize nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. And we're yep. like, well, okay, well, 30, you know, and I'm in my 30s now, 40, I'm definitely, if I hit 40 and I haven't accomplished all these things, I you know, must be put out to pasture. And then you do hit 40 and literally nothing happened. Nothing changed, yeah. So the one thing that we've got in our heads constantly is our age is such a breaking item. Here's what I'll say. If you are a rock star and not the way that, developers call themselves rock star. I mean, a literal rock star, then yes, you, you're, you've got a very finite time window. If you are a professional sports player in most Keith Richards sports, just sat up out of a coffin <laughs> and shook his head. No. Yeah, no. Like if, if you're a professional sports player at a high impact sport, yes, you have a, you know, a certain number of years, but we are none of those, right? Like we have a, a job, thankfully that we can do better and better and better for the rest of our life. Every year should be considered a building block to the next year, not a time is running out moment. It's a goofy way to think. You know, it is. And I think we do this not just with age, but sort of with everything that we always feel like somehow our peak performance was somewhere just behind us or our peak opportunity was somewhere just behind us. And our peak performance is somewhere unreachable ahead of us, right? That we're somehow running from the best time that this ever should have happened. And the fact that we haven't reached that, that, that next precipice that we wanted to, we haven't hit that next peak. And it's just complete utter bullshit. <laughs> it's just, it's completely fabricated narrative that, that we create for ourselves. And this is, I think this is the worst part of this. Of all of the founder wounds, and, and most of them are self-inflicted, this is the one that we just sort of do everywhere, right? Because it's not just around age, it's around literally any part of our startup, anything that we're thinking about changing, fixing, building, 
doing away with, whatever it is, there's always just so much damn urgency around it. So not just urgency, lack of perspective, yes. which in, 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 in often drives the urgency. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, a guy named Jeff Wilkins. Jeff, for anybody that's old enough to remember this, started a company called CompuServe, which was the internet before the internet and sold to AOL. But he also had happened to start the, the school where my kids go to school, which he claimed was his greatest achievement. Jeff and I spent time on boards together. So I've known him for a long time. He's a great guy. And he's about 35 years older than me. So a couple of years ago when we were having lunch, I asked him, I said, Jeff, just out of curiosity, when, when, what was your peak year? Like if you could rewind back to a peak year, what was it? And, and Jeff at the time, I think it just turned 75 to put it in perspective. And he thought for a second, he goes, 46. He's like, I can't believe when I was 46, I knew, you know, I knew everything I needed to know. I was so young. I was so full of energy. And I'm like, bro, I'm 46 now. I don't feel like any of those things. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is peak yeah. energy. Oh my God, I'm screwed. And, but what he was saying was he has a much broader perspective. He's looking at a, a window of 75 years in picking his best year. What was silly for me to even respond like that was that I've only had at the time 46 years on the planet. And so my entire purview was based on that. And one more thing that I just want to mention that I thought was hilarious. My son, Will, who's five years old, came to me the other day and he was talking about something that he used to do when he was a kid, but that he doesn't do anymore. <laughs> and he's like, dad, that was way yeah. back when I was four. Right? Yep. He's like, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, in relation to how long he's been on the planet, right? That's a 20% period of his life, his entire life, right? So in his mind, one year might as well be 20. Yep, on that relative scale. And the relative scale, right? And when Jeff told me that, Jeff Wilkins from CompuServe, when he told me that, it just stuck with me. And I was like, man, you know what's broken is my, my scale. You know, when I look at the, entire, the entirety of what my life is, I don't have enough perspective because I haven't seen the whole thing through. And, and it really threw me. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great point, and I think this is this is key to this entire discussion, right? Is maintaining that perspective and being able to zoom out enough and say, right, I can treat this as something urgent. Is it actually right? Is it actually? And even even if I say, yeah, it's kind of urgent, play it out. Like we talk about this a lot too. Play out that worst case scenario. What if you don't hit that time milestone? Right? I'll go back to this is a really specific and small example. But I had a client pitch back in, so it had been 2000, and I had decided, I had decided, right? Another, another one of these things we talk about a lot, these, these uh, one-person conversations that we have. I had decided this client that I was going to pitch in two days needed, they were going to need some animation done through ActionScript which is absolutely dating me. Well, I already dated myself. I said it was, this was 2000. So 
I had decided that they were going to need to see something built and demonstrated in action script and animated. And I'd wanted to, to, to do something for them. They didn't ask for that. Like I created this, this false milestone. I kept myself up for like 48 hours straight, learning enough of this to be able to put something together to demonstrate it. Got to the pitch, haggard, tired, but I, I managed to do it, right? The urgency won out. I, I got something together, went through the, the entire pitch and then kind of saved this as the, as the coup de grace, the cherry on top, the thing I knew was going to convince them. And I, I, I showed them, they all sort of nodded their heads and watched and they're like, okay. You know, we, we then talked through the, the different aspects of the proposal a couple of days later. And they came back and they were like, yeah, this is, uh, this is great. You know, except for that, uh, the, the, the part with like the, 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 the flashy animated stuff, like we don't want or need any of that. Right. And so it's like, really? I killed myself for that. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. It's part of it. We do this all the time. We convince ourselves that these things need to happen and it turns out didn't need to happen at all. Right. So well, we, it's that, I think, you know, part of our narratives within startups, Ryan, is the idea that if I don't get to market, if I don't, you know, get this business ramped yep. up, all my competitors are going to crush me. Oh yes. The competitor crush. Yeah. That, right. that, that happens the, the, almost the, the always time crush, never. Right. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's what's hilarious. And I, I hope founders are listening on this one. Ryan and I talked to literally thousands of founders. So our purview as to, and they're all different industries, every industry you could possibly fathom. So not just tech or something like that. Every single one of them believes that it's their specific market that the entire industry is trying to like rally around. And if, if they don't get to market, if they don't get this product out there, et cetera, they're the one industry that everything is going gonna, is gonna to be the, the next next. Now, every now and again, that's true, right? Every now and again, <laughs> like 1% of the time that actually proves to be true, where all of these massive market forces all head in the same direction at the same time. It's Uber Lyft, right? You know, like, like at that time, it did have this snowball effect that this was going to be a massive market and billions of dollars of capital were going to get poured into it right away. And it was a race to the finish line. It does happen. It's probably not going to happen in your industry. As much as you think otherwise, that uh, all of our competitors, this whole thing is going to be, the whole story is going to be told in the next year or two. Again, false narrative. You made that up. It's actually probably not true but you're going to kill yourself and probably make a lot of bad decisions in believing. Oh, stick on that for a second. The bad decisions, right? Because this completely changes it. When we look at things through a lens like that, where in our mind, what we're seeing is all of our competitors are out there and they're like VCs throwing money at them. Like you remember the old footage of like the, the stock floors where the guys were literally yeah. throwing the trading <laughs> tickets up at the guy, like the market maker, like just like screaming, you know, spitting, uh, sweat flying. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the, 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 there's just VCs throwing money at all their competitors like this. It just isn't right. And, and the, the real challenge with that isn't just the fact that com competition's not going to come in and crush you because of that. It's that you're going to start making decisions based on that lens, based on that rubric, right? That we have to do this because of that. Well, you're going to make very different decisions, right? You're going to choose to push things in certain ways or extend yourself in others or forego proper exploration of things because you feel the need to move forward with pace or take a particular direction or copy what a competitor is doing rather than following, you know, your, your path, right? And so it just it can absolutely fundamentally change everything and it's made up, 
right? You made it up. This is, this is your own machinations, right? This isn't something that's really happening. And it's so damn dangerous. Like, look, as founders, we need things to motivate us. We need, you know, things to keep us moving. This is not a good one, right? You know, inventing boogeymen that are going to eat your lunch, not a great way of doing this for ourselves. Let's dissect that because I, I want to make sure people understand exactly the line we're drawing here, right? Urgency is awesome, right? Urgency gets shit done. Awesome. Wonderful. But it's not the same as this false boogeyman, right? For example, if we look at a spectrum, on one end of the spectrum is we actually do need to get things done, right? Like urgency matters, get it done by Friday, gets things done. It's what builds a good company. On the other end of the spectrum is just this irrational fear that the walls are closing in. And if we don't get it done by this time, that we're all screwed. That actually, while that could drive some urgency over a long enough period of time, just makes us straight up miserable, okay? There's, there's no version where I've seen a founder who's operated on that schedule for long enough be like, you know what? I feel really good. <laughs> that actually just makes us miserable. It does. Imagine if the entire Star Wars, right? Imagine if the entire Star Wars, right, took place in the trash compactor on the Death Star, Right. That wouldn't have been a fun movie to watch. <laughs> it would just oh, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been good for Luke and the crew. But. No, no, for <laughs> sure, right? But, and that, but that's the way we treat this, right? That we just sort of jump from one of those to the next, right? That we're in this constant compression and, and not just the compression and the time and the urgency, but that somehow at the end of that, there's a finality and disaster, right? I think that's the other side of this is that that's the part that just isn't true, right? In this case, the walls might feel like they're closing in. They're not actually going to squash you, right? Nothing's going to happen, right? Back to your point from earlier, nothing changes. The false part of the narrative with this is predicated on is that if we don't somehow succeed right now, that there's no opportunity to succeed in the future. As if every time somebody becomes the successful party, no one else is allowed to compete, right? Like if Uber wins, then Lyft just can't compete. Well, kind of Lyft won public too, by the way, right? Yeah. And so... If you think in those terms, back in the 70s and really the 80s, Microsoft won, right? You know, on a numeric basis, right? And if you look at penetration of PCs, you could, you could argue that Microsoft won. And yet Apple seems to be doing just fine. Right? <laughs> like Apple seemed to have made it through. Obviously, mobile was, was where they kind of made their transition. But that's my point. If you genuinely believe in your company, if you genuinely believe in your market, there's not one year that's going to end it all for you. Right? Yeah. We're not all speaking Persian. We're not all speaking Greek. We're not all speaking Italian, right? Great analogy. At points, right? They were the, the incumbent, right? They were the power. They dominated the markets, all right? We're not all speaking Chinese. There's always room, right? Competition will continue to exist. There's room for more than one, right? So there's always room to build a good company and there's always time for it. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. We've been building a uh, tools, let's say, for the startup community for really about 20 years. Startups.com has been around for 10. But even prior to that, when different companies that we did were all in the startup space. Every single year that we've been around for 20 years, there's been some company that's gotten into our space that was going to be the, the, the end-all, be-all that was going to fix all startup problems. And now I just laugh whenever I hear that. I'm like, you don't either, one, don't know anything about how this market works, or two, don't realize there is an endless supply of people who don't know how to build startups, right? It's not like one person is going to magically teach them all. You know who it's also not going to be? Us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no exactly. matter what we do, right. this market's going to be big enough, thankfully, 
And we're in a weird space because we're one of the weird companies that actually appreciates the fact that if more people help our customers, we just generally want to help our customers. But if if you're in a meaningful market, there, there are going to be other competitors. There's going to be like, you know, ups and downs between those competitors. When Tesla tried to enter the market, it's not like they said, well, everybody else has figured out cars. Guess we yep. can't do cars anymore, right? Uh, and yet somehow they did okay, right? When Netflix wanted to enter the market, it's not like, well, people are getting videos. I guess like the Blockbuster has just cornered it. We're done yep, there. They right? got it. In every case, a good company, if, if there really are a good company and it really is a good market, dude, you got all the time in the world to figure it out. There, and there's niches to start in. Like, you know, funny, like, let's go back to that one for a second. Blockbuster, right? So there was a Blockbuster in our hometown. There was also a Video Barn. Video Barn absolutely kicked the shit out of Blockbuster in my hometown on the video game side of things. They had ah, a much better selection. And so that drug people in, right? Anybody that had a, you know, anybody, kids from six to 14, they were showing up at Video Barn because they had the massive selection across all the platforms, right? That was the big deal. So there's always room. There's always ways to find and carve out your niche, uh, you know, in and around that competition. And almost to the point where, like, I'm not sure that they did that as a competitive advantage. I think the guy that owned the store was just a gamer. <laughs> so he was like, <laughs> this is the business help. I want to build, right? I'm going to build my business. He wasn't thinking like, oh, what do I do to compete with, with Blockbuster? He just built what he wanted to build. He built a good business, focused on that, and kept seeing happy people come through the door and come back and all that, right? So it worked out fine. You just described our business though, Ryan. Like startups.com is literally that version where this is just the business we want to build. This is what we want to do all day. And will we become the biggest? I don't care, right? Like that's not meaningful to me. I just want to be good at what I do. Does that mean I'm not competitive? No, I'm competitive as hell. I'm one of yes. the most competitive people <laughs> out there. But over time, I'm starting to realize that our body of work and kind of what we set out to do is going to take decades to do. It like, while we're going to do as much as we can this year, we're not looking at it like, like time is running out. We're looking at it as we have a long time to build something great. And every year we want to be cumulative in our personal lives and our professional lives and certainly in the business that we build. I think when we start thinking in terms of time is running out, actually, you know, let, let's shift, shift gears a little bit. When we think about personally, time is running out. The one thing that I see the most often among founders is from a financial standpoint. I've got a certain amount of time to secure my financial freedom or I'm totally effed. Yeah, this is a big one. Yep. Yeah, and as I'm thinking about it, it's, well, yes, as we get older, right? Time quite literally is running out. There is a point where we would like to, let's say, retire, et cetera. Correct. We usually have that concern, like I have to secure financial freedom, et cetera, like in our 20s. Like, you know, again, if I don't make $20 million by the time I'm 30, you know, I'm a, I'm a giant failure, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say also, yeah, we also, have, yeah. So in addition to being really unrealistic about the time, we're often really unrealistic about the amount. We don't need to talk about that today. We've talked about that in other episodes, but yeah, like what it actually takes to be secure and when you need to achieve that, we, we tend to get both those things wrong, which is always fun. We like to compound our problems. Well, what we overlook in every single case is we keep forgetting that whatever that age milestone is, again, this you know, false time running out feeling, whatever that age milestone is, we assume that we're just not working after that, which is ironic because we're likely going to be far more productive or capable in that year than we are in this year, right? And so 
I, again, I went through all this myself and a lot of this is just self-reflection, but I believe that if I wasn't a billionaire by the time I was 30, that my days were numbered, that I would just like be put out to pasture somewhere. It didn't occur to me. It actually didn't occur to me back then that I had my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. My like, I had so much time to build wealth, right? It wasn't all like constrained into one tiny capsule of time that if it wasn't done by then, for some reason, I wasn't allowed to build wealth afterwards. Sure. So blown. It's a bad, bad, bad way of looking at it, right? Yeah. We again, we have we have lots of time. Again, like go back to the notion that like urgency and and stressing yourself out about this, not really going to help you get there anyways. Right. So yeah, in, in terms of when you need to achieve that and and how you get there, you know, being anxious about it, probably not a great ally in in the mission and in, in, in moving forward. So look, there are hundreds and hundreds of things I think that, that we, we end up getting caught up in that drive urgency as founders. And again, we're not anti-urgency. We're not against getting things done, but we're definitely against building up a narrative that's counter to actually achieving that. And it puts undue stress on you as a founder, on your teams, on, on everything that you're doing and working to build where urgency helps let it work for you, right? But when it becomes something that's just driving stress, anxiety in your life, get rid of that shit. And I'm going to take you back to the very top of the episode now and suggest that you come and talk to us about it on linkedin.com, right? Look for Ryan Rutan and Will Schroeder, and let's continue the discussion there. All right, so that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but, you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com. And let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit. And let's just start having more of these conversations.